That was a huge, that was something that came out of the blue. How many have ever had something come out of the blue and kind of hit you? You weren't even really expecting that, but uh, praise God, that's okay. <laughs> We're all family here. How many of you had, how many of you are so full of turkey right now? I mean, anybody, anybody out there, had, uh, how many of you become a big ham? No, I won't, don't answer that, but ham and turkey, it, it was a blessing at our house, we just enjoyed our time as a family and had a great time. And I, I, I just have a word. I'm continuing on a series. I'm going to speak to you about moving forward. Amen? How many of you believe God wants us to be moving? Moving. Just how about breathing? Anybody out there breathing? How many of it's good to breathe? Everybody just breathe in. You know, breathe. I come to find out that when you breathe good... In fact, that's one of the things we're looking at, uh, learning in the Conqueror series with men. You know, one of the things that helps kind of get us on track is, how many of you know good health is important? It's not just enough to renew your mind. You've got to kind of renew your body, and you've got to eat right, eat well. And that's all part of the blessing of the Lord. I, I remember that I used to think right, but I didn't eat right. And guess what happened? I was filling kind of sluggish and tired, and uh, man, I had a sister in the church here sent me a, a picture that was a revolutionary. When I saw myself sitting here, I looked like a Humpty Dumpty here sitting on the stage with some young man, and uh, that was a motivation enough to motivate me. Amen. You know, sometimes God will use things to motivate our lives. He doesn't want us stuck. He doesn't want to stuck. And I believe that we as a church need to be moving forward. Amen? And uh, I think one of the things God does is He begins to bring prophets. He begins to speak a word to us apostolically because He loves us. He loves us so much that He will begin to speak into our lives. And my prayer today is that we will begin to hear a now word, a word that begins to address where we are now. And it's good to ask ourselves, where are we? Where are we as human beings? Where are we as individuals? Where are we in my marriage? Where are we in the church? It's good not, not to condemn us, but it's good to ask ourselves, where am I on the journey that God has for me? How many of you know it's good as a married couple, as an individual, to have a mission statement? What's my mission? What's my mission as a couple? What's my mission as a, as a single mom or a single dad or, or a single person? What am I here for? Amen? You know, it's good to have a, a blueprint for life. If you don't have a blueprint, Lord, wake us up in Jesus' name. It's good to have a blueprint. We need to know where we're going. And uh, I, I believe that God has a plan and a purpose. I, I want you to go back in your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 11. And I want, I want to talk about something specifically this morning, and that has to do with your faith. Your faith in God. You know, it's one thing to hear the Word. It's one thing to have a Word spoken, but it's another thing to really be active in my faith. And one thing that activates faith is love. The Bible says that faith works by love. If I'm not in love with Jesus, then I have a dormant, dead faith. Amen? 
It's what James, the book of James says that uh, my faith is not active in living, then I have a dead faith. Ephesians 2 says that Jesus died to save us from dead works. Dead works is selfish living, living for myself. And that's the kind of life that leads to depression. When all I do is live for self, and I think of self, and I live in a humanistic, selfish, self-centered lifestyle, what it brings me to is a, a kind of a dead end. I remember years ago in Sonoma, California, I was doing a prophetic conference with a very good friend of mine, Pastor Barry, who's living in, in, uh, in uh, Ireland today. He lives in, Del or, uh, not, he lives in Shannon, Ireland. We traveled from the north to the south end, but uh, I, I was reminded of a, of a man, a very wealthy man, who came down in front in a particular church in Sonoma, and he, was, he asked for prayer for his two daughters. He had two lovely daughters, and he said, one of the things that I did, he said, I pursued my career. I began, I was very wealthy in the area of, a opto he was an optometrist, he was a doctor, and he uh, actually had a particular patent on a particular device for helping uh, doctors see into the back of the eye. This is way back in the mid-80s that I'm speaking about. But he came down front and he said this. He said, you know, I would give everything I have away to get my daughters, to save my children. How many of you believe our children are pretty important? See, part of the vision of the house is to pass something on to our children. If we're not walking in the blessing of understanding that my purpose here is to pass on, what I have to the next generation, then we become a dying generation. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor Ray. And my question is, what am I passing on to the next generation? Now, some of us may feel, well, Pastor Ray, you know, I brought my kids to church, and I pray with them, and I talk to them about Jesus, but they're still not serving God. Now, how many of you know that we need to understand that my job is to sow good seed, and I'm to water the seed, but how many of you know it's God who brings the increase? Sometimes when we do the sowing, and we do the watering, and we do the cultivating, and we do praying, and we do the, the, the investing, and all of a sudden we don't see the kind of investment we thought we would get. And there's a lot of people in the body of Christ today. I speak even of myself. There's been times where I've sowed much and I don't see the harvest that I thought I would get. I've been there. I'm, I'm even there now where God speaks to me and he says, I want you to sow, but you know what? I don't see the harvest yet. Everyone say yet. When you use the word yet, that means it's yet to come. You see, faith does not depend on just the fact that I don't see a harvest. Faith is dependent on what I'm sowing. Am I sowing seed? Everyone say seed. Do you know that God has put within all of us, because of the Holy Spirit, to sow seed? And every, every one of us, every day, we're sowing. 
You're sowing into your life. You're sowing into your walk. You're sowing into your children. You're sowing into others. In fact, the very nature and the heart of the Father is to sow. The Bible says it is more blessed to what? Give. That's part of sowing. Than to get. Our whole nation, our whole culture, our culture right now is all, all about this. It's, what is in it for me? That's our culture. What do I get out of it? When Jesus comes along, he begins to teach a message and he teaches a word that is contrary to the culture. That if you want to experience abundant life, you learn to give. You learn to sow. You begin, you know, one of the things that my wife and I um, have uh, recognized as empty, empty nesters. We're, all of our sons have married and they've moved on with their wives and their family and, and we love them and we appreciate them. But you know, one thing Carol and I are going through is this empty nest syndrome. And you know what? We built this big addition into our house and one night we were sitting in our house a couple of years ago looking at each other and we said, you know, we got this big house. Why don't we sow into other people? You know, we begin to invite people over. We, not only in the church, but even in our neighborhood. Because we begin, to, we, I, there was a season, there was a time where we're sitting in this living room and we're looking at each other and we had the TV on. And I remember just turning the TV off and I said, you know, Carol, this this is not what we're called to do. And it's not just about pastoring a church. But, but the blessing comes as we begin to sow into others. Everyone say sow. Do you, want, do you want to know one of the most important things that God has given all of us? He's given us seed. Now that seed, some of us we've heard so much about faith and giving and sowing and so much of us connect seed with money but I'm, I'm not talking about your money I'm talking about your life do you know that you can sow just yourself as a friend but you know one of the things you need to come to realize is you need to come to like who you are Everyone say, I like me. Now, some of you believe that that was a lie. I want you to all say it one more time. I like me. Because if you don't like you, guess what? No one else will either. Because no one is attracted to a bummer. No one is attracted to a dud. Good preaching, Pastor Ray. Now, I'm not here telling you you're a dud. You're not a dud. You're not a bummer. Jesus, when he died on the cross, he didn't die for duds and bummers. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't go to the cross casually. He didn't die casually. He didn't go and suffer and was beaten brutally for a dud. He died because he saw value in you. He loves you so much. You're not a dud. You're not a bummer. There's an investment. 
that he's placed through the shedding of his blood. And the Bible says he's raised you up and he has seated you with Christ in heavenly places and he calls you kings and priests. Now, I am not trying to elevate anybody and I am not in any way trying to speak to you in a way where you begin to think of yourself as some high-minded individual. No, we are who we are because of what Jesus has done in us. But His desire is to give you a name and make your name great. Well, Ray, where is that in the Bible? I'm glad you asked. In Deuteronomy, it says this, verse 26, Behold, I set before you today blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and a curse if you do not obey the commands of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way which I command you today, and to go after other gods which you have not known. Notice what the Lord is saying, today I set before you blessing and cursing. Do you know that this is not just some kind of Old Testament, Old Covenant rhetoric? It still applies today. When you obey, you're blessed. If you disobey, you're cursed. Well, wait a minute, Pastor, I'm confused. I, I thought Jesus broke the curse. He did. There is no curse upon a believer who believes and has the faith of Abraham. The Bible says, by faith, Abraham obeyed. But obedience is the result of faith. And faith is the result of hearing. Hearing comes, or faith comes by hearing. But what am I hearing? I want to just say this to you, because this has to do with where we're going. What I'm hearing in my head. One time I had a young man. Actually, I've had several people in this area. I had this one young man that comes to my mind. He came to my, in my office. He says, you know, Pastor Ray, I have so much chatter going into my head. There are so many things that hit my head all day long. And I said, what is the chatter? What's going on in your mind? And he said this, the one thing that I constantly, that goes over in my head is what my father spoke to me over my life. I said, what he said? He says, you will not amount to nothing. That's what his dad told him. You will not amount to anything. And he says, you know what? He says, that's where I'm at. I'm nothing. And I said, would you like to break the curse that's called a generational curse. You can break that. And he says, but I don't feel. I don't feel worthy and I don't feel good. And I said, well, where's that getting you? How many of you know that God wants to bring us out of that bondage of living under our emotions that really cloud our sense of vision. I said, listen to you. I want you to understand that in order for you can, to obey and to choose, he said, to choose blessing. But my choices are based on understanding God's nature. I want you to jump with me into Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 this morning. In Genesis 12, it says this. And the Lord spoke, oh, I'm sorry, yeah, I was in Genesis, Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12, right here, 
Notice what the Lord says in a very familiar passage to the Lord. He says to Abram, this is his initial name, Abram, he says, get out of your country and from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families. Everyone say all. I want you to get this. This promise to Abraham was fulfilled and comes right down the lineage, right through Jesus, right through His descendants, right into those who are the firstborn among many. This is our spiritual birthright. There's a birthright on your life. When you by faith receive Jesus, and that birthright is the right of an inheritance that I receive simply because I believe. It's not earned. But because of my faith, and because of my understanding of who Jesus is, how good He is, and I'm feeding on His faithfulness, I exercise that faith in obedience. How many of you know that when you love someone, you protect and you guard that relationship and it's not out of, it's not out of uh, dead works. It's not out of a desire to, to do it because I have to. I do it because I love him. I do it because I love him. I wanted to share a short testimony. Years ago, when I entered into Portland Bible College, I was a Bible student, and I was so excited after high school to get into Bible school. And when I enrolled into Bible school, my desire was to learn the Word of God. My desire was to understand and examine the tools that would help me to be able to take the Word and what Paul said in Timothy, to rightly divide the Word of truth. I knew that God's hand was on me to speak and preach with confirmation of other prophets and apostles. And so I begin to apply myself to learn the Word of God. I was excited. There was vision in my heart to get into the Word of God as I went to study and went to hear the Word of God at Portland Bible College. And I was a full-time student. But one of the things that I did not know, while I was there, I was a sloppy housekeeper. And in my dorm, one of the things that I used to do is that I had a messy dorm. I had a messy bed, and because I was studying and I was working also part-time, but one of the things that they required in the Bible school was that you had to keep your dorm clean. Anybody ever had to keep your dorm clean? Maybe your house clean. Anybody need help there? We'll pray for <laughs> But uh, I remember... About two months into the first semester, I get a call from the dean of students who was our pastor, Pastor Bob Stricker, and Pastor Bob asked to see me. And he sends me a note and he says, Ray Galligan, I need to see you in my office. So I went to see Pastor Bob in my office and he said, 
Ray, I need to tell you something. He says, I appreciate your enthusiasm and your passion for the Lord, but he says, you have already, uh, uh, you have already uh, acquired 16 demerits, and if you get 21 demerits in a semester, we have to actually excuse you. We have to ask you to leave the school. I looked at Bob, Pastor Bob, I said, what? What am I doing wrong? I said, I'm getting good grades. I, I love the school. And he says, no, I know you do, Ray, but your dorm's a mess. We noticed that you're shoving all your clothes underneath the bed. And your bed's not made, and the sink is a mess. You are basically an animal. He didn't say that, but he said, you are living like an animal. Actually, that isn't the word he used. He actually said, you're living like a pig. That's what he told me. And, and I, I, I said, well, Bob. I said, I didn't come to Bible school to become a house cleaner. I didn't come here to learn. To, to, and and I, was, I was offended. I was here to learn the Word of God and learn how to pray for the sick and, and help people get out of bondage. And my desire was to mission and go out and study. And you were giving me demerits because I shoved dirty clothes under the bed? And my, I mean, I, I was kind of saying there is a... I was trying to be respectful to Bob, but inside I was saying, what are you talking about? I said, I'm not here to clean the house. I told him that. He says, well, Ray, do you not understand the connection and the call of God? I said, no, I don't. It's stupid. I told Pastor Bob, I says, well, Ray, if you don't see the connection, you won't make it in the ministry. I said, what? Then he, then he begins to give me a little Bible lesson, which I really was kind of closed off from hearing. And he said, how would you like to be Moses? Remember Moses? I said, yeah. What did God do with Moses? What did he say to Moses? Well, he said, well, I want you to go down and deliver my people Israel and bring them out. He said, do you remember the conversation? The first thing God told Moses to do was so foolish and so stupid. What did he ask him to do? Take your shoes off in a desert. The first thing God said, you're standing on holy ground. He didn't know it was on holy ground, so remove your shoes. It was a foolish, stupid, irrational thing. You do not take your shoes off in a desert. There's scorpions, there's snakes. You need shoes in a desert. It was a stupid, foolish request. Then God says, look at the rod in your hand. It was a staff. God said, now throw the staff on the ground. And so God was taking Moses through a procedure of breaking down strongholds and things that he had been so leaning and trusting in. God was dealing with Moses, but here's the beautiful thing. God didn't give up on Moses. Aren't you glad that God doesn't give up on us? He says, I want you to take that rod, throw it down, and it become a serpent. Then he said, take it up by the tail, and all of a sudden become the rod of God. God tells Moses to go down and single-handedly deliver an entire nation. It wasn't, God was not dealing with Moses on his emotions or his feelings. He was breaking down strongholds that was in his mind. The second thing that happened, 
as he begins to talk to me, Pastor Bob, he says, what if you were Joseph? And you have been favored with a coat of many colors. And God begins to speak to you and give you visions. And you begin to share your visions. And guess what? Everybody hates you for it. They turn on you. In fact, they try to kill you. But all through those seasons, the Bible says that Joseph was the hand of God and the favor of God was on Joseph from the prison to the palace. God still had his hand on him and was preparing him. But God took him through a season of contradictions. Through a season where things he didn't even hear from God at times. But yet the Bible says that Potiphar recognized that everything that Joseph did prospered, so he put him in charge over his entire house. And you know what kept him? The promise. Everyone say a promise. If you don't have a promise in your heart and you don't keep that promise, it will not keep you when you go through the seasons of test and even prison. It was a season because the Bible says that the word of the Lord tested Joseph. Back to my story about Bob and my bad dorm habits. He was saying this. God will test you in things that contradict what you feel to see if you're willing to accept the foolish things so God can use you with great things. Can you imagine being Moses at the Red Sea and you got a million and a half people in your back and saying, Moses! Pastor Moses! What are we going to do now? You brought us out here to kill us! You know what he does? He takes the rod. In the Hebrew, it means to continue slapping the water. Now, can you imagine your pastor slapping the water? Say, what is this coop doing? He's believing God. He's trusting God. I want you to go with me into Hebrews chapter 11. This is about Abraham. This is, this is the faith of Abraham. There are four things, and I'm going to close here, four things I want to show you about Abraham after he received the promise. There were 25 years in his life. By the way, just in my own story, I want to tell you right now that after I left Pastor Bob's office, I became motivated to clean my room. I actually began to fold my clothes. I actually began to clean the sink. I mean, I was an absolute slop. I begin to clean, and I'll never forget Sister, uh, what was it, Warren Stills, what was her name? Pearl. Pearl, she was our dorm mother. She came, and she says, Ray, God has worked miracles in you. I can't believe how clean and pristine your bathroom, or your side of the bathroom, and your bed. I, I looked at, she, by the way, you couldn't get anything by Pearl Still, who was our dorm mother. Oh, she, she went through the whole thing with a microscope. But, but I began to realize that it wasn't about cleaning the room. It was about accepting things that were foolish and accepting things that I didn't understand as part of the process that God was dealing with. Let me tell you, there's a lot of people that have this, and it's stuffed in their head, but they have no wisdom to know how to walk through those things and work it out in their life. 
It's not enough just to get Bible knowledge. We have to understand that there's going to be seasons because he loves us so much. He loves us so much. He cares about us. And what he's doing is preparing to entrust us with more. Do you know that the purpose of obedience comes in stages? So God begins because he wants to give and entrust you with more responsibility. He will test you in the area of weakness, in the area of foolishness, in the areas of things that contradict your reason. Because God's ways and God's thoughts are what? Higher than man's ways. Part of growing and knowing how to obey Him is learning to trust Him when life doesn't make sense. The season that you're in right now is a season... And there are three things you need to do in those seasons. Number one, you need to maintain your vision and understanding that God is always good. Number one. Number two, I need to maintain a healthy attitude. Everyone say attitude. Your attitude is everything. But how do I maintain a good attitude? Well, my attitude is dependent on how much I know and how great God is and how great God is preparing me for what he's, he's preparing me for something great. The last thing is the concept of expectancy. I need to constantly expect. How many women here have ever had a baby in this, in this service? How many of you know that when you are pregnant, you are expecting? You know what? When my wife first was pregnant with Jared, our firstborn son, she did something that kind of caught me off guard. She took one of our bedrooms, and man, she started decorating that bedroom because the baby was coming. I said, what are you doing in here? She got baby cribs and curtains and all the little baby things going around. She was preparing for the baby to come. See, that's what faith does. Faith expects. We're living with a sense of expectancy, and we're talking about it. We're speaking it. Look at here what it says about the faith of Abraham. It says, verse 8, Hebrews 11, verse 8, it says, By faith, Abraham obeyed. Everyone say obey. It didn't say by faith, Abraham thought about it. It says he obeyed. And when he was called to go out to a place where he would receive the inheritance out. And here's, here's the, the tough part. He went out not knowing. Do you know sometimes when you come to the house of God, you don't even know why you're here? We're here and Brother David, Pastor David is asking us to sing and lift our voice. We may say, well, I don't know why I need to sing or why I need to... But you know, the Bible says that Abraham went out going, but not knowing. Sometimes faith means I'm doing things that I don't know why, but as I do it, God begins to open the heavens on you. When you begin to pray and you begin to obey, all of a sudden you begin to walk in the blessing. See, there's, 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 there's this heart. So Abraham began to obey when he was called out. Let me ask you, what do you do when you hear a word from God? I had a brother come up to me not too long ago, say, you know, Pastor, I just don't hear from God anymore. God's not speaking. I asked this question, did you obey the last thing God spoke to you? 
What was the last thing God spoke? Do you know God will not speak to you until you obey the last thing He told you to do? He will not give you a word that takes you forward until you obey something that He's already asked you to do. So have I obeyed something that He spoke to me yesterday, last month, last year, or am I stuck in rebellion? Because if I'm disobedient, I'm under a curse. What does the curse mean? Simply is this, is the blessing of the Lord doesn't continue. It doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. It just means you're miserable. How many, you know, there's a lot of Christians that are just miserable. How are you doing today? Miserable. Well, why are you miserable? I don't know why I'm, I'm just miserable. Well, do you know what? You can go out by faith. You can obey. And as you begin to go by faith, even though you don't know, there's things that God wants you to do that he doesn't necessarily allow you to know why you're doing it. Can you imagine Noah? God asked Noah to build an ark, a boat, that took him 120 years. How many of you know that would take faith? He got his sons involved, eight, eight, eight people in the family. God says, build an ark, a flood is coming. Noah said, Lord, I don't know what a flood is. And why would you ask me to build an ark where there's no water? He told them to build an ark in the middle of a wilderness. By the way, they didn't have semi-trucks to move them. For 120 years, he's building this thing and people are mocking him. The, the rationalists, the humanists are, are knocking him, criticizing him. But God spoke to Noah. God said, I'm going to build and I'm going to obey. I know it just goes contrary to what the culture says. I'm part of building the house of God. I'm passing the baton. The Bible says that by faith he built that ark. Here we find here not only Abraham, he went out not knowing. Notice verse 9. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country. Everyone say foreign country. Sometimes... God will ask you to do something that is very foreign to you. Here's a foreign thing. Tithing. It's foreign. I don't know what tithing is. Or maybe a foreign issue is that He asks you to forgive someone. He asks you to be friend. Well, that, that's not my nature. I, that's foreign to me. God asks you to begin to think, here's a foreign thought here. God will begin to ask you to think and believe that He can give you a promotion or a better job. Praise God. Instead of just being stuck, I'm going to be to believe that God really wants to bless me. He wants to grant influence in my life. He wants me to be a better employee to make our business explode. I'm not going to go do things independently. I'm going to support the authority in my employment. I'm going to do what they say. I'm not going to try to bring new ideas, but yet I'm going to learn to submit under the authority that God has placed. And that's how God begins to take you to, from one face to another face. Really important. But that's, that's coming into a foreign kind of way of thinking. Faith means that I'm coming into a foreign place, even though it's a land of promise. And it says He dwelt in tents with Isaac and Jacob and their heirs with Him, in the same promise. Dwelling in tents means I'm not parking in this place, but I'm a 
pilgrim. I'm passing through. There's other things. There's other phases that God's going to bring us into. So Abraham understood that this was a progressive journey in faith. And notice verse uh, 10, for, for he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker. The word wait there means to expect. I'm expecting. I'm building. I'm following. I'm serving. And I'm expecting God to show up. Amen? Now, I believe that God wants us to become people of faith in 2019. I believe He wants our confession. It needs to start with our minds being renewed to believe God, but then it comes out of our mouth. And we need to begin to understand that He has given us influence and He has given us uh, an anointing to begin to see things, walls and, and, and barriers and boundaries be broken, unbelief, fear in our life, where our relationships, even our relationships come, come to a greater level of honor and appreciation and uh, learning to work together. Amen? That's part of the gospel. The good news isn't just that Jesus saved me from my sins and gave me a pathway to heaven. No, He wants my life to make a difference now. Right now. And I want you to see yourself as an individual. As God spoke to Abraham, he says, I'm going to make your name, your name, great. You may say, well, Pastor Ray, does that mean I'm going to appear on American Idol or something? Does that mean that I'm, I'm going to have some political status? Maybe, maybe not. Do you know that if the only influence in your life is one person, and that person has been transformed because of your faith influence. That is greatness in the sight of God. Greatness is not dependent on having the thousands of accolades and people standing up and, oh, yeah, you're my man. There's a lot of people chasing fame. That is not the greatness that God is talking about. The greatness that He really talks about are those who take a path of learning to serve rather than get to a place where it's all about me. That's sad. That's not greatness. Greatness in the sight of God is when we learn to serve when no one's looking. We have a lot of servants like that in this house. They're serving and they're mentoring and they're coaching others and they're not blowing their own horn. They're learning to serve behind. They're not letting their right hand know what their left hand is doing. They're serving and they're, they're blessing and they're giving. There's a lot of people like that in this house. I'm so proud of you. I know a lot of you, and some of you are not even here today, but there's many that serve out of stewardship. And you're walking in the greatness of that anointing that Jesus said that we would have. How many of you want to be part of the right hand people? God wants... He said that he's going to call the sheep on his right hand, and then there's going to be the goats on the left hand. The right hand people are the blessed ones. The left hands, he says, they're people. This is Matthew 25. The right hand people, he says, all those he calls on his right hand in the coming of the Lord, he's going to call those who are faithful. They're the right hand kind of people because the right hand signifies the right hand of the birthright. The birthright of blessing. The right hand speaks of favor. It also speaks of my works and my activity. They were faithful in their works. And he said this, When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was in prison, you visited me. When I was naked, you clothed me. That's greatness. 
Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you went out of your way to give something to someone? Invite someone over to your house for coffee. You'll pass around. I've got such a horrible house. And I don't even know how to make coffee. Learn. See, that's greatness. That's really what leadership is. Leadership isn't up here. That's not leadership. That is an aspect of leadership. I do want to say we're to feed and teach and we're to equip and we're to build up the body of Christ. But real leadership, when Jesus said the first shall be last and the last shall be first, and those that are high will be brought down, those that are low will be brought up, guess what that means? God's going to begin to reverse some things that our culture thinks is what greatness is. God looks at the widow with the two mites who gives all she has, but no one else is seeing it, but Jesus sees it. That's the right hand of blessing, and that's the right hand of a birthright. I don't know about you, but I want to be a church called the right hand side. I don't want to be a left hand where I'm just thinking of myself and worrying about what's, what's in it for me. It's so sad, but that's part of the brokenness of our culture. Anyway, let's, let's close our eyes right now. I just want to close right now and pray with us. I believe God has an exciting future for each one of us. And if we could have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is even saying today. In fact, this, this past week I've had such a, a burden and an urgency for people to just break out. To break out of certain things and certain ideas. and Maybe there's been some attitudes you've allowed to prevail and Maybe there's been some small-minded thinking. And I just feel the Holy Spirit saying, I want to bring such an anointing, not only to break the yoke, but I want to bring a refreshing on God's people. He wants, he wants to bless people. Like Abraham, he didn't stay in a culture. He, he departed. I love it when it says that Abraham departed. Faith means that I'm living the path of the plains of death. He was an idol worshiper. And he became a God follower. And that's what, what he's calling us to do. Are we, are we really following? Are we influenced by the power of the Holy Spirit? Is righteousness and godliness and integrity, are those things what we're pursuing? Are we pursuing contentment and godliness in Christ? Because it's a high calling. I don't want to settle for a low calling. I don't want to live selfishly. I want to live as an individual who gives sacrificially. I want to present my body as a living sacrifice to Him. Maybe this morning you may say, you know, Pastor Ray, I know God has a call on my life. I know there's more. But I feel that maybe I've settled for less. I want to see some of that broken off my life. I want, to, I want God to, I, I need to just allow my mind to be renewed in the fullness of what the Word of God says. I need that. I need that transformation this morning. If that's you, just raise your hand and I'll pray for you this morning. Okay, I see your hand. Anyone else? Amen. Father, we thank you. Let's all stand to our feet, shall we? In fact, can you just take each other by the hand? I want you to take each other by the hand as a church family this morning. And as you take each other by the hand, I want you to pray. Not only just for yourself, but I want you to pray for an infusion and an impartation of life in that individual as you take their hand. Father, we thank you for this soul. We thank you, Lord, for the life that stands next to me on my right and on my left hand. 
Father, we know that You did not just save us from sin. You didn't just call us out of darkness. But You called us to arise and to shine. You called us, Lord, into a place we begin to recognize our environment is an opportunity for Your greatness and Your love to be passed on to a new generation. To those who don't even know You. Lord, give us the boldness. A spirit of boldness, Lord, to speak up and to pray. Not to hold back. Father, but it's by love. Lord, because faith works by love. Lord, we pray right now that every yoke will be broken. I pray right now over my brother, my spirit, that Lord, over their spirit, that Lord, You would just begin to open their ears to hear and their minds. We just pray for a spirit of creativity. Lord, we just pray that You would anoint their imagination. Lord, that they would begin to imagine and they would begin to have visions and dream dreams. And I pray that the spirit of the prophetic would rest upon Your people, not only to prophesy to dead bones, but even to prophesy to themselves. We thank You, Lord, that You're a God who anoints us and heals us and raises us. You empower us, Lord, to do exceedingly abundant things in our life. Father, we love You today. We thank You, Lord, that You come. You united us with our Heavenly Father. Lord, that we not only behold Your glory, but we would live and walk in that glory as John 17 says. Father, we thank You, Lord, that You've come to heal us and restore us so that we will obey You. We will trust You. And then we will see the blessing continue on us to reach our generation. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Turn to someone. Give them a hug this morning. God bless you this morning. We love you in Jesus' name. Praise God.